AU on the go. AU on the go. To inform on developments of the Commission. Pour informer sur les développements de la Commission. To engage and discuss AU policies and their impacts. Involver et discuter les politiques de l'AU et ses impacts. And of course, interact with our listeners on the continent and beyond. وبالطبع التفاعل مع مستمعينا في جميع أنحاء القارة الإفريقية وخارجها. AU on the go. AU on the go. AU citizen, this is Low Cues coming to you guys from Sido and saying welcome to AU on the go. Our first guest this year is someone who actually worked here at the AU a couple years ago as a youth volunteer. His passions took him elsewhere all the way to China and here he is coming back to tell us what he has engaged in and what he has learned in his two years in China. Musa Frimpong. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, pleasure, <laughs> pleasure. So I hear nowadays you're in China. Yes. Okay. I've uh, been in China for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Mm. And before that, you say you're at the AU working for HRSC? Yes, I was here. I came in the AU in 2015 as a youth volunteer. Then I was serving in HRST uh-huh. under the African Union Youth Volunteer Program. Uh-huh. So I was serving as a field officer. So after the volunteer work, I stayed on for another one year, still in the same position. Uh-huh. And it was then that I had a scholarship to go to China. Been in China since September 2017. So they had a Chinese mission to the AU. They advanced some scholarship to the AU, and then that is where I got opportunity to apply for it. Mm. What picked your interest about China specifically? I didn't choose China. I think China chose me instead. <laughs> I applied to school in China. I didn't know much about education in China and nothing much about China that time until I even got there. For your family, what was your reaction when you told them I? Yes, I'm going to China. My family were cool. They okay. just said, oh, this is just another traveling. Right. Yeah. A new experience. Yeah, a new experience. And when you got to China, what city were you in? What university did you go to? I am in Tsinghua University, uh-huh. which is now the leading university in China and Asia, especially in terms of technology, science, engineering. I'm studying international development and governance uh-huh. at the School of Public Policy in the Tsinghua University. Before we get to the education part, let's talk about the settling in part when you first got there. Yeah, China in Africa is totally different and uh, Africa we are more social we are having fun and doing our stuff but China is relatively conservative and close society as a foreigner the first challenge you are going to face is the language so right at the airport right from getting into the society you have to struggle with the language as time goes on you pick one or two ways that's able to help you to move around the street and there's a huge culture shock because it's totally different is another especially for me a Ghanaian West African mm-hmm. our food is very different and right. the way we prepare it and all that so anytime you travel you have that challenge what is the traditional Chinese dish a lot of them actually there's a lot of tea surprisingly they don't take cold water instead they take warm water Chinese food is very diverse basically made up more vegetables mm-hmm. and then There's so many different types of meat and fish and all that that they also prepare in different ways. So Chinese restaurants is one of the good places to go in China because you have so many different kind of dishes and all that. So you say now you've been there two years. So what helped you settle then? Being open-minded is very important when you are traveling and being open to talk to people and make new friends and learn new culture. So I've been a very short time. I've made a lot of Chinese friends because I was going out social event and meeting people here and there. And would you say you've learned any Chinese so far in these two years? <laughs> yeah, small ones. 
for language, unless you are very fluent in a language, you never know how good you are until you are faced with a situation and you have to come up with all the words. Right. It comes from nowhere. I don't when know there's where, a will, there's a way. There's a way. It was just a Chinese New Year. Yeah, yeah Chinese New Year was mm-hmm. just um, three days ago on mm-hmm. the 5th. Um, mm-hmm. So that was... Uh, Spring Festival, they call it. It's the biggest festival in China now. So this is 2019, they started, and they call it the year of the pig. So we say in Chinese, Xi Nian Kuai La, means Happy New Year uh-huh. in Chinese. So then now let's switch to the education part. Mm. Tell us again the name of the school. Yes, uh, my school name is Tsinghua Dashui, meaning Tsinghua University. And this is the leading university in China. Uh-huh. And globally, they are number 14, the global rankings. Uh-huh. And then in terms of global employability, uh-huh. they are among the first 10 in the world. Were you able to meet a lot of Ghanaians in the school then? Fortunately, there was a Ghanaian senior who helped me easily to unpack everything in the campus and helped me to settle. How has the coursework then been so far? Yes, it's very competitive. Uh-huh. Chimwa University, like I said, is a leading university. It makes it even more challenging because you have to be on books and do all these school works all the time. And you say you're studying international development? Yeah, I'm studying international development uh-huh. and governance. Even though the courses are many for us, but... We had opportunity, like when the first year ended, we took a trip to Shanghai, which is a global financial city. Let me say the financial city of China as well. So we went to Shanghai, we visited the Shanghai Stock Exchange, we visited the municipality, the museums, and then visited some companies to see how they are working and how the different models and governance and structures work there. And we visited the Asian Chinese uh, province of Xi'an, Xi'anxi province. It has a very rich history and that the Chinese Communist Party also have their route today. So we're able to explore all the different political, economic, social and all these Mm -hmm. systems in China. So that was about a one-week trip. And apart from that, we also get time to time to attend different cultural events, even within the school and out of the school. And then we take some field trips to different companies and places to also explore the different things that China has to offer. And when you talk of governance, tell us about how the political system works in China. So China became a unified China in 1949. So since then, they've maintained that one-party system, the Communist Party, CPC. It makes it a bit easy for them to have a long-term development plan and then be able to also follow through with it. The turning point for China's development was in the year 1978, Mm -hmm. which is called the year of reform and opening up. Last year, they marked the 40 years of that policy because not until they opened up to the world, there was mass poverty and there was underdevelopment and all that. But since they started engaging with the rest of the world, trading and doing business with the rest of the world, it gave them the opportunity to attract investment, to attract uh, technology, to attract all these things. They have about 34 provinces, which each province has their own provincial government. And then they have the county level government as well. And they have the central government as well. So there are some economic decisions that has to be made at the central government level. Each province, each county has different dynamics in terms of resources, in terms of history, and in terms of different uh, skill sets. So this development model really helped them to be able to make use of all existing resources and all that, which also makes them very easy to be people-centered development and then also inclusive development as well. So how do they view like going out and trading and investing so much in these other countries? Especially in 
recent years, China has embarked on a massive going global strategy that is helping them to engage more with the rest of the world and invest more in other countries. In Africa like this, but compared to the rest of the world, it's just about 2% their investment. I think since 2000, they started the FOCA China Forum on China-Africa Cooperation. That has given the investment much momentum. Currently, there's more Chinese investment in Europe, in Asia, Southeast Asia, and all these Middle East countries and all that. But uh, in Africa, it's not that huge in terms of investment proper. Of course, we see all the physical infrastructure and all that, but Mm -hmm. that is not what we are thinking about the investment that really creates jobs and then they invest into businesses and invest into other sectors as well. You're talking about all this money going in and out of the mm-hmm. country and then there's it's such a huge country and with decentralized power. How then are they able to negate corruption? So over the past 20-30 years, they have managed to put down measures that has eliminated corruption to a very big scale. China has a very strict laws and policies that has been able to help them. Let's look at youth and technology in China. What's that dynamic like? When I arrived in China, one of the things I observed was the way technology, science and innovation is an everyday thing in China. So people are innovating. My university like this has uh, huge um, resources in terms of labs and hubs and science parks across the campus and then even across the country that allows students to engage in practical work in terms of science and technology and innovation as well. China should be among the top five countries chunking out a lot of technology and innovation activities across the world. China is really taking lead in so many aspects. Artificial intelligence, automation, data, self-driving cars, all these things are really becoming very popularized in China now. Technology is such a big market. Like It's probably the market. Yeah. That's why China is like growing and yes, growing. Yes, 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 yes. So then we talk about Chinese coming and investing here on the continent. Is there examples of Africans who do vice versa go and invest in China? I think it's not that much, even though the traditional way has been that Africans go there and buy certain goods and come here and sell. So other few people are trying to explore how they can also set up companies in China and be involved in the Chinese economy, contribute to it, and then also possibly contribute back home. Mm-hmm. And then we are among one of the few companies that are, have been established and helping to do stuff in China. So you have your own company that you open in China? Yes. So please tell us more about that. <laughs> the company name is called Yapa Africa. Okay. We started this back in last year. We saw a gap. So my co-founders, one is from Cameroon, uh-huh. one is from Mali, uh-huh. and one is from Kenya. Okay. So four of us, we came together to co-found uh, Diapa Africa, uh-huh. where we saw that at least the African community in China, in Beijing, we tried to find a way to engage them, to uh, expose them to the Chinese economy, and support them with the different uh, support services that they need in China. Since we started and we became relevant in the Chinese system, we had a lot of Chinese companies who approach us to work with them in their China dealings. Now we have some form of Chinese partners who we consult for, who we do certain kind of projects with, both in China and in Africa. Could you give us any examples of one of the projects you've worked with? Yes, one of the first things we did was we went to some big Chinese companies who have presence in Africa or who are planning to come to Africa to invest. So we went to them and said, hey, if you're interested in the African market, we can open opportunity for you to recruit African students who are about to finish school. We did that and we were able to get some partners. We got about 10 Chinese companies who came on board and then we did a whole day boot camp career with training program on how to package yourself as a student. Okay. 
how to apply for jobs, how to do your CV and all that. And we also brought in Chinese experts who came to say, how do you apply for jobs? What are the laws, the policies that are supporting you? Because many people don't know about those policies right. that can even help them to get a job. And in the afternoon, we had the Chinese companies who did on the ground recruitment. Mm-hmm. So after the workshop, students now can go to those companies and submit their CVs. Fortunately, we got a huge success afterwards. We followed up and we saw that most students had some opportunities that they brought here. Mm-hmm. Some of them are still back there working. These Chinese companies are also willing to work with us on a long-term basis. Second major project we have done is the Africa Dialogues that we did somewhere in October last year. So Africa Dialogues was also a way to open the conversation, let Africans tell their own story to the international community. So close to 300 people who came to the event and it was a huge success and it's one of the biggest events that has happened in Beijing. What we have started as Diaba in China is opening that conversation up, opening that opportunities for more Africans to, to do stuff in China. in China. It's interesting you say that because right at the beginning I asked you why China? <laughs> and it seems like that's also like the issue going around most of Africa. There's yeah. the opportunity there yeah, yeah, but yeah. we just don't think of yeah. China as a place yeah, to go. Yeah. So now that you're back then, what do you want to come then and tell us? Because I mean you could be a mouthpiece. I think uh, China-Africa cooperation has been characterized by bad reportage yeah. by the local media, whether it's the Western media, that they feed us with information that um, is not totally accurate on the ground. Mm-hmm. So this is the first thing we, all of us as people, we have to correct and then that will help us to engage better. Chinese are known for inferior goods. Mm-hmm. Chinese don't have anything to offer much. But that has changed drastically over the years. And now the advanced countries in Europe and America are trading with China at the high level, at the technology level, at the science level, not just also about infrastructure. That Chinese infrastructure we are also known to. So we need to also change the way we engage with China and open our mind to learn more about the new China and their development and what, as a continent, how we can strategically engage with China and learn from them. There are a lot of opportunities in China now, entrepreneurship, internship opportunities for international students. That has a lot of incentives as well. So we have encouraged all the African students go out there and explore. There are certain things you can partner Chinese company or Chinese organization to come back home and then do it for your country and for the continent. Mm-hmm. I think China offers Africa a new direction, a new opportunity to explore other forms of development, not just aid, but also trade, which is very important. Right. And then science, technology, innovation are also strategic areas that we need to also engage China hugely on. Mm-hmm. You've just been talking about this cultivating knowledge and mm-hmm. bringing it back. What have you gone there and learned in terms of governance and development that you would like to see implemented here in Africa? What China has taught me is that people should be aware of their history, their circumstances, their situation, and be able to borrow or partner other people to get what you don't have, and then you can move forward. I also mentioned aspect of science, technology, innovation. These are also something I've really learned and have been able to build a lot of networks in China around them. So hoping that I can also come back in the continent and build some partnerships and also help bring some of this technology and science uh, innovation activities also here. So we as a company, we have been supported by the Chinese government to grow our company with all the resources they support us with it. How can't we also do the same for our young people in the continent? So this is something I've also benefited from in China and hopefully we can also help do some projects here in the continent but also help advocate for it at the government level, at the policy level and at the lower level. And what sort of 
of challenges do you envisage facing trying to implement those ideas here? The challenge is for me as an African scholar is how do we change that perception? How do we tell different story about China, Africa? Let's touch on development one more time. You spoke about there's a long-term development yeah. plan to have. Yeah. Is that something we need to start trying to do here in Africa? We are promoting democracy across board, especially my country in Ghana like this. For years, this government comes to their own manifesto, come up with their own policies. They start implementing it within short time. They are kicked out of office. Everything they've started is halted. A new government comes and also starts something completely new. For me, certain sectors of our development like education, health sectors, national development and infrastructure and all that, we should have long-term national plan for it. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we have Agenda 23 for the entire continent. That should motivate every country to also have that long-term strategic plan for the major sectors of our development so that each government, when they come, don't completely destroy what What is existing and then completely start something new. Last question. You're back here at the AU and I hear have you been back to visit HRSD where you previously worked? Yeah, I've been here in the AU visiting for the past few days Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to talk to different departments, share ideas of what we have seen in China and what as Africa Union, as a continent, what we can also see. This week I participated in uh, one of the side events on education for women and girls, refugees especially. I'm also trying to meet some different people in the AU to share some ideas with them. So I think it has been good. Not done with my studies. I'll be going back to finish June, July this year. So hopefully when we finish, we can also do more, whether we are back here or Mm -hmm. we are still there. Mm -hmm. Well, Musa, thank you so much for coming and sharing your journey. Thank you so much for having me to sharing uh, our Chinese experience with the African audience and those in the diaspora as well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Musa Frimpong. What else is there to say? You know, we need to change the whole conversation on how we look at China. There's a lot of opportunities for all of us out there. And like he said, we just need to start putting it out there, try to give our best to invest in Africa. So that's it for this session of AU on the Go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. And this is Loic Youth from Sido signing out. Shout out as usual to Ernest Kaliza on Sound Production. And do not hesitate to reach out to us on the Sido Facebook and Twitter pages at AUC underscore Sido or by email at auonthegopodcast at gmail.com with comments, feedback, and topics you'd want to hear discussed on this platform. Cheers. AU on the go. AU on the go. To inform on developments of the commission. Pour informer sur les développements de la commission. To engage and discuss AU policies and their impacts. Involver et discuter les politiques de l'AU et ses impacts. And of course, interact with our listeners on the continent and beyond. وبالطبع التفاعل مع مستمعينا في جميع أنحاء القارة الإفريقية وخارجها. AU on the go. AU on the go.